Hello, hello. Time for another episode of the Funky Marketing Show when I interview uh, people who are doing something that I consider as uh, funk. Something that is activating people, bringing the truth, the reality and doing things in a little bit of different way in this B2B environment. So today I have a guest, somebody who uh, I've been in, uh, in contact uh, for last few months on LinkedIn uh, and a guy who has a 10 years experience in B2B. We'll talk about a lot of different stuff, some of the stuff that we don't usually talk about on the podcast, so something new. So stay with us. First, bring the funky intro and then we bring in uh, the guest. Welcome to the Funky Marketing Show. Thanks so much. So happy to be here finally. Yeah, we've been going back and forth. I had like all kind of crazy things happening regarding some like health issues, but I don't know. Like I start started thinking like I wasn't having any health issues for like 10 years. And then I was like, what changed? Like pandemics, vaccine, did, did that affect anything? No idea, but kind of like. All is good now. Uh, basically, actually, like three days ago, the doctor told me that I'm um, that I'm fat. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nobody would say that, but he said, you know, if you don't want this uh, this thing that you are inheriting from your parents, grandparents, to catch you up in like ten years or sooner, basically, you need to loosen up some some weight. Uh, and it's actually good because like, I'm basically just throwing out alcohol, those kind of things. But on the other hand, as I'm moving to the conferences, like people in Serbia eat like heavy meat, uh, hard cheese, you know, drink rakia, beer, those kind of stuff. Like all the people around me in Novi Sad are, uh, making craft beers. And I'm like, you know, explaining why do I don't do those stuff again? That's kind of kind of crazy. It's tough. That's very tough to do. Yeah, but man, tell me and everybody else a little bit about you, about your background, and why are you here? That's how I like to to say it. Yeah. So my name is Timothy Rodman. I'm about ten years into a B2B marketing career started as a marketing intern for a local credit union around the area that I'm from, uh, worked my way up to a management level for an industrial manufacturer. And now I sit as a, a director of marketing for a software as a service company, providing uh, support for the healthcare industry. Um, here on the show today, because you know, you and I had picked up conversations on LinkedIn and just all about the differentiation and B2B marketing and kind of the unsexy topics but the much needed topics that just really really aren't talked about or posted about on linkedin so i'm excited to share kind of some of that that granular stuff that that's needed yeah and, and you know what's interesting like 
we had a chat in the comments on a few posts about differentiation, about those kind of stuff. Then I went to, to Macedonia to speak at a conference and like comes a guy talking about differentiation. And I was like, man, I need to get also him on the podcast. And it all like goes and uh, brings up one to, to other, like Matt Desmir. I don't know if you know him, but uh, I recommend everybody listening to follow the guy because like, I mean, just one of those people that you meet them offline, they have that vibe, that energy, you know, that changes everything in the room when they are present. Love that. Uh, but let's start with, with differentiation and then we'll move into other like more unsexy stuff. Cause like, uh, as you said, like, I think differentiation actually is now that pe- something that people are saying, like it's a sex thing because I don't know, like kind of, they kind of have a feel that, we maxed out of all the other sexy topics and now it's differentiation because everybody, you know, have, we are in tech, everybody has like more or less the same product, the same services, you know, it's tech, people working in those companies are all building similar products, but what makes it different uh, is the hard stuff, right? So uh, let's talk a little bit about that. I'm interested to hear, you know, your perspective on differentiation. Yeah, well, for starters, I think I need to see if it's still updated, but I updated my LinkedIn headline uh, based on one of the funky marketing posts because you had mentioned, you know, several experts in differentiation. So I put that in quote because I thought that was a killer headline for for me. But you know, honestly, it's it's always been about just subconsciously being different in in all the careers that I've been. I get I get very defeated and worn down when at the end of the day, like you said, we're we're all generally selling the same product. Or if you wanted this solution from another software as a service provider, they could easily code that up in a couple of weeks or months and have that offering as well. And and that's you know, you can't bank your your passion anymore on on just the product itself yeah i've i've been experiencing recently it's almost like a product within a product being the service that you offer in addition to that product (laughs) we need a second to process that right (laughs) yeah uh what's like a few days ago so so, uh uh a meme and I shared it and it's kind of interesting because like even people started creating memes of how some things aren't happening and it really happened even before, like, uh, build it and they will come, right? They never came. And it's like the meme is like on a battlefield and the winners, like three of them have spears and there are people laying down. They say, how can we determine who's dead, who's not? And the guy say build it and they will come and people laying on the ground, those who are wounded and alive started to laugh. <laughs> yes, put them in spirits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's seriously like that. Like, like it's, it's just such a crazy revelation because it is that, that just, I don't want to keep drilling that horse to the ground, but differentiating yourself from someone who does it the same way you do it. Yeah, I, 
think it's like the way I'm, I'm seeing kind of things, like there are so many companies that are now having that growth mindset, but they are growing only with, with the market. So they look at the market, they look at the competitors. Okay, we are getting traction. We are actually selling the product and it go, all goes, you know, nicely. Uh, but like they don't try to differentiate from the competitors. Yep. And they don't realize that in the long time they are actually losing because competitors are not thinking the same way. You know, it's enough that only one of them gets a new feature, a new product, a new way to differentiate. They zig, uh, you know, uh, when other people are actually, you know, zagging. And uh, basically, it just creates the whole new category and the whole new market and leave them all behind. Right. And I, I'm always under the impression by the time we as the public are hearing about a new feature or subset to, to as you say, kind of like piggyback or copy. Yeah that organization is probably two steps past that now. So we think about, you know, the, the launch and the, the kind of the lift of, you know, product releases and stuff and how long that takes. And by the time we are seeing something, you have to think, and that's, I, I'm never a fan. I, I kind of have to get better or like maybe find a balance, but I'm never a fan of just strictly, like you said, going with the market. Yeah. It's actually boring. If you look at it from that perspective, you know, it's, actually boring because you just do what you see fits what other people are doing you know you do your research huh that's how those companies have done it actually how they are doing it right now because like most of these companies that you're reading about are already on the next level and totally change things have different you know uh, different size using different tech all those kind of stuff and then you try to replicate that and of course you will fail because they weren't doing those things when they were where you are right now. Right. 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 And then, you know, if you're just always kind of being not compared, but, but following suit with somebody else, then who, why is that going to change your, your prospect, or your audience's mind to just work with that company then? Cause you know, that's going to drip into like kind of how your, your language and how you speak on this thing. Why did you guys decide to do this program? Oh, you know, we did it because they were doing it. Okay, well, then I'm not going to work with you. I'm going to go work with them because they seem like they have a path forward. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, the thing is, when you try to differentiate, you cannot go with, you know, with doing a survey or those kind of stuff and just asking people because they will give you the answers for sure. But the answers that, about things that they know exist, you know, that something exists. For example, if you're bringing the new product or the new way to change things, especially now in tech when we are doing the... AI things, machine learning, even the NFTs, you know, those kind of stuff. Yeah. And you do the survey on the market uh, and people know that they have a problem, but they will give you the answers that they know exist. But if those things that they give you doesn't give them the results, they will be pissed off and they will be pissed at you. You know, and I saw that also in B2B, in B2C, and I'm seeing it now going going in B2B because, you know, even from, uh, from the Apple uh, and, you know, you need to have, you only need to have one guy. You don't need the whole company to gather around everything to agree on everything. And it's the same with the market. Not everybody sees what you are seeing. 
such a good point. I always compare it to kind of like a trip to the physician's office or doctor's office. Like you may know something's wrong, but you can't put your thumb on it. So that's why you're going to visit, you know, your doctor, your physician to kind of talk and kind of work it out. And then they can determine, well, you know, that sounds a lot like this. I know we can go and, and predetermine what we think is wrong with us, but there are a lot of times where it's just like, I just, I don't feel right. And the more you talk to that patient, the more you're going to find out what, it, what actually is wrong. You know what I mean? It could be nothing that you're thinking of. And I, I always compare that similar to marketing and even sales that just get the conversation going and you're going to unearth a problem that they didn't even, even the prospect didn't realize they had. Yeah. And look, like I, I compare it to, to the analysis that I've been doing like in the last two weeks. So I had some pain in my upper stomach and like day after that, I did the blood analysis and some things were, were high. Okay. So I went to the doctors. Da, 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 da. Anyway, like, uh, I implement some sort of a diet, expel some things. And then I did after two weeks again, before going to another doctor, uh, I did the blood analysis again. And because I did that, they could see what happened because most people don't do it in that short period of a time, you know, and this is the only thing that actually can give them some kind of insights that they can get their best guess. Right. Because uh, something ran through uh, through my organism and now it's gone, but they can see that only by you know by the analysis and how the results are going. Uh, and if you look at that, it only takes one person to do the analysis that nobody else has done, and actually you know see some things. And I compare it to the customers' interviews. You need one person who knows how to do it and how to talk with the target group that you are actually going after and to get those insights. Right. Right. Kind of feeling like, like somebody, whether it's experience or background or something, but somebody who you, I don't know, there's such a perceived perception, I guess, that when you're meeting with somebody that has to do with the business, like you're just already kind of on the negative, you're putting on the defense because it's what, what are you trying to sell me? And if you could really capture like I said, whether it's experience, whether it's, Hey, I've been in your shoes before. Like, let's just have a conversation. Like I know it's the end of the month. People are wrapping up, sending me, you know, email sequences, like one after the other saying, Hey, did you see my email? Hey, did you see? It's like, I get it. I get it. I get that you need to make money, but at the same time, I want to, you know, build a relationship or feel like, like I'm hurt. Or when I have a, a question, I can come to you and you're the expert. And right now I just feel like anytime I talk to you, you want me to pull out my wallet. Yes, yes. And basically what we said now, there are, uh, you know, probably three things, but two things that are important for differentiation. One is customer research. And another thing is having a subject matter expert, right? Somebody who knows how to talk with those people, how to create that relationship. And the number three is the story, usually. And, you know, subject matter experts needs to know how to transfer the story to the target audience. And he knows that by doing the good customer research. So like, right. it's all in the circle. Yeah, right, right. I love that. Uh, what are some things that maybe you're seeing that have changed in the last year or two? Because I think like subject matter expert, for example, is something that's maybe new for, for B2B. Yeah. 
yeah. in a way that it needs to be present on different channels. And, you know, and the way I see it, like the, the way we buy has changed. Just look at the, you know, how we are buying some tools that we need for a day-to-day work. Yeah, it's almost, you know, in, in my experience, it's almost the, the vendors or partners, third-party solutions that I end up working with are who I almost feel like a, like a concierge service. Um, for example, I've never had relationships that I have now with some of the vendors that I've carried. For instance, uh, we have a, like a local print, print vendor. Mm-hmm. Uh, very specialized in kind of branding, collateral, trade show goodies, uh, quick turnarounds and stuff. And I've never had, it's honestly the one vendor that I've carried through for four different jobs now, because I know, Hey, when I'm in a bind and I need this, if I need a, like a display for a trade show, if I need a quick turnaround on some t-shirts, some branded polo shirt, like this is who I go to. And that's something I mean, I say the last four jobs, so that's about five. No, yeah, five years. Um, that's something I didn't see the first five years. I feel like every every job you'd have, you would. I mean, you still fish out or farm out for other prices and stuff, but you build that expertise, and then it's almost like once once you're in, you're in. Exactly. I feel I feel the same, and like you know, you. you like I was looking at a, a, a month ago, I think I felt like I was using Buffer for scheduling posts, for example, but I was using it for a long time while I was in B2C and other companies. And like, I always felt like it's not fit for B2B because like their emphasis is on small businesses and small e-commerces. So like it's Instagram has the priority. Uh and I always wanted to change it. So I finally said, okay, let's change it. And what did I do? I actually just posted on LinkedIn. And I said, if I don't get the answer there, I'm going to go to some communities where I have people that are working similar things as I do. And even then, I didn't took those names and go to Google. I basically go and check out those companies directly from the comments to the website and see if they fit or no. Yeah, and that, you know, that's that human, that that kind of testimonial, because that's really big, too, that no one's really, we, we just talked about this the other day at my job, that no one really wants to learn it with you. I don't want to, like, discover that your solution is something that I need. I want to, like you said, I want to hear from peers and colleagues that it's like, hey, I found this very useful. And I think we, we can name drop. Yeah, you just did. Uh, Monday.com was a good example for me. So the last job I had, we tried to form Jira into our marketing project management software, and it, it worked. But a lot of the terminology and a lot of the functionality, I didn't feel was for B2B marketing because it's it's not. It's for software it's developers for, and engineers. for developers, yeah. Yeah. But yet we still used it and made it work for what we needed. And then I, I joined the new company that I'm at now, and a colleague of mine just started talking up Monday.com like no other. And I was sold. Cause like I was thinking of my experience with Jira and everything he was talking about with Monday. And I'm like, okay, that supplements everything I was missing in Jira. And, you know, at the very last second he had a comment, he's like, well, that's, that's just what I use. You know, you could find something else. I'm like, we've tried, like, trust me, we've tried to look, we tried to find other things. And the fact that like, you just, you just satisfied like everything that I was missing. And now it's been about a month in Monday.com. And I, there's like, at least for now, no looking back. Yeah, and, and I mean, 
Can you track those conversations? No way, no way to do it. Nope. He's not even a, you know, he's not even an employee of Monday.com. He's just a fellow marketing professional that yeah, all he needed. And look, that that's one thing that I think a lot of companies today are missing. And I'm seeing that uh, more and more these days. What I mean, they are missing the part when they are not the the, the ones that are directly selling to and educating their customers, but they are empowering their customers and people who are influencing the decision makers to actually go and uh, you know sell your product without you being the one uh, in the process. And I think that's so powerful and you can get to that point only when you have a story, you know, something that people will relate to, can find it and you go. I, I think a lot of people have no idea like how we work, like funky marketing, but they know the name, they know us from LinkedIn and they go and they recommend us uh, to other people, you know, just taking a post or taking uh, I don't know, something from the website when they saw, aha, uh-huh, these are the guys that are doing this. I know them. Check it out. Go and reach out to them. That's it. I think it goes back to almost what we said before that it's not, you're talking to the person that doesn't have like a sales motive. Exactly. You know, you know and I just read and I see it right behind you. I'm taking my time, but I'm reading Influence right now. Uh, my friends like Gong, I ended up winning a signed copy from Robert Cialdini, which was Nice. I'm loving it. But again, I got two two kids under two, so I'm reading at my leisure, but also reading it to a point that I understand it and comprehend it can bring it in. And Yeah, it's interesting. I, I read it uh, for the second time now because this is the uh, the book with additional part for the yeah. online online thing. Yeah, with like the letters that supplement kind of the lessons, which is which is fantastic. But one that really stuck out to me last night, I finished the chapter. I know I've had this book for so long, I only finished chapter two. But it talked about who you were more likely to do business with in a sense. And it was like a, what was it, the firefighter representative that comes to your house, provides you with a fire safety kit, and then that's it. Like just saying, hey, we're, it's a community outreach. We're handing you with these materials. We just want you to be safe. Have a great day. There was no motive. There was no backstory. Literally just, we want to help you. Then you got the guy coming in that gives you the same package, but that's his company. Now he's in a sales deck to you, pitching you on this very expensive fire alarm and security alarm. And it just, I don't think that's the lesson Robert was going for there, but it kind of painted that like when your intentions are good vis-a-vis like, like you were saying, like, like my colleague that had no ties to monday.com, but he legitimately saw a solution that could help me. I'm more likely to buy from somebody like that versus okay yeah i see monday.com in your title of course you're going to tell me good things of course you're going to supplement everything that i see differently but then there's going to be a thought to it because it's like i I know you're selling me i know like it's i don't know yeah and and look like it's not uh something that that we should hide you know if we are selling of course we are selling we are the business company right that produces something and we want to sell it but we don't want to sell it to you if you don't need it that's something that's i think important and what you mentioned about relationship marketing and all those kind of stuff it's different from just getting a contact and reaching out to the person that don't want to talk to us 
to set, try to sell them something that they don't want to buy. Right. And I, I don't know if you are seeing that as well. I, I, I was just reading this morning, like questions that I asked the company that reach, re, reached out to us uh, to help them with advertising. Like, and there is one thing that I asked them, you know, what are the, the problems right now um, that are blocking the sales? What's happening? And they say like conversions from trial to paid customers. And that's why like, from advertising, from all those uh, channels, we need uh, to have like to get the better leads, and like no mention that are they actually nurturing those leads? What's happening? And they only want to close the demand. They don't want to create demand, educate anything. They're a company that already exists. They have the new product, and they just want to close close the demand. And I'm like. All good, uh, you know. I'm still thinking what what I should tell them and should we right. work together. But you know that one thing is kind of the thing that tells me you know they will expect something that is not you know under my abilities or they're not me pitching me to give them that service. Right. You know it's okay. I can come in as a consultant and help them with to figure those stuff out as well. But you know, who knows if they need it. And, and I'm thinking like so many companies are in that mindset. We need to improve uh, leads. We need to improve lead generation. We need to improve the uh, closing rate. But, you know, you don't improve it just by pressing play and starting advertising. <laughs> right. That's how it goes. Right. I go back to, it's a couple jobs ago, but it's a story that I tell a lot of people, but we had a new VP of sales coming and just came to me, no, no expertise in marketing. Didn't, it was one of those leaders that thought they did always looked at you just because of my age that I was like young and inexperienced, didn't want to hear what I had to say. And they just came around the corner and said, Hey, we need to send an email. Okay. Who's it going to? Well, I don't know. What are we going to talk about? I don't know. We just need to start sending emails. <laughs> like help me out here. We need some context here. Like it's like you just said, it's not just as simple as pushing play. And then you're, all your wildest dreams are, are settled it's not a we need more sales okay i'm gonna send this one email i'm gonna get you more sales it's, that's not how it works today yeah and, and you know what's even funnier i just thought of it now i didn't uh realize i didn't say it before but uh like the company that i mentioned yeah. basically i had questions uh about how do your potential customers or they have a few existing ones call your product and what are the channels when they are hanging out? Like those two fields are missing out, but they say Google doesn't work for them because they cannot do the segmentation. You know, and then you, you think, okay, I ask you, do you have information about your customers or should we do the interviews with them? We have it, we'll send you. And then like, we don't know how do they call it. But it doesn't work, you know. That's and there's so yeah. many biases in B2B that people just don't want to do that. Or they assume it's it's like they think or, you know. Yeah, I'm dealing with a lot of that at my, my current job. Nothing, no bad mouthing, but they, how do I? I mean, you, you came there to, to fix some things, right? Yeah. So they haven't seen 
what I consider good B2B marketing. So they're, I'm almost coming in with a precedent of I'm going to do the same thing that the last people did. And I'm not. So it does discourage me. Like you said, when, when they boldly say like, this won't work. And it's like, let me try it the way that I do it. Cause I, I, I'm going to tell you it's going to work, but there's just that, that bad negative, I guess, energy of it's not going to work. We've done that before. It's like, not like this. You haven't. Yeah, I mean, there's a thing and it keeps repeating, especially in SaaS companies. I saw it working with a few companies from Netherlands, for example. Uh, like I come in and I tell them, you know, you don't want to do the classic lead gen because you are early stage startup. You don't have the process to process, process those leads. What's happening after that? And I tell them, look, like this is the average. You will get like, let's say 3000 leads uh out of which you will schedule like 44 like 25 calls and close six of them do you want to try that out and see it on your own example or do you want to trust me and don't waste money on that guess what's happening like they all choose to waste money i get that that i just had that revelation because coming from i was in a very high growth uh, startup kind of environment company had been around 10 years, my last position and the processes were there. So we were able to kind of get into those, those cadences of posting on LinkedIn every day and, uh, advertising because like, like you said, and I love that you said that, that the processes to do like to process those leads after you get them existed. So it was, you know, definitely a built up from the ground level. And then you kind of, and then it's hard to explain that, but like the funnel just works through. So autonomously fast forward to the job I'm at now there, it's a two-year-old company. So those processes don't really, we're building them right now. And I came to the realization I did a, a post every day for 30 days. And I just, that's what I discovered. That was my discovery. That's like, well, we kind of need the process to capture and nurture these individuals before I just go ham on the advertising. Exactly. I mean, you need to build a foundation and, 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 you know, I have nothing against like closing the demand and I don't think like every company needs to create demand or tempt the demand or whatever it is, but let's create a foundation. Let's see how, how many demand is already out there that we can close it out. And then we'll think, should we do next things? Cause you know, like even 1% in some industries is more than enough for a one company. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're dealing with that a lot. And in, in the current company that I'm in, just the certain markets and stuff that we're getting in, but above all the, the, the company I've joined, like we, we kind of have these specific niches, but also looking to see how our resources can kind of learn from the market and then what we can do to branch out as actual market leaders of something which is super exciting. Yeah, exactly. So tell me, tell me one thing you mentioned, uh, an interesting topic, uh, that we can jam about and it's breaking the stigma of, of being a bad, big, bad boss. So that's, that's kind of interesting to me as well. Cause I have like a lot of, uh, experience working with different people and also being a boss. So like, uh, I'm looking at the topic from both sides, but, but tell me what are your thoughts when we talk about it? 
Yeah, so it's really funny. I kind of got my role in leadership when uh, Superior to one of my jobs a few jobs ago left the company. And I went so out of character. I was only a, a marketing associate at that point. But I had so much confidence that I just built kind of a bank of what I saw this individual do and things that I liked about what they did and things that I didn't like about what they did and things like how, how certain actions they took made me feel. So I went out of character and went to management leadership and said, I, I want that position because I've, I've more than been doing pretty much everything that's required because that was one of the bad sides that I, I picked up the slack for like everything for our team. And, you know, through the interview process, I earned the position. I, I'll never forget, but the VP of sales just told me, well, you know what not to do. And like, that's, you know, if you want to talk like a political career or something, that was my campaign. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to be the boss that knows what not to do. And I built, you know, I, I obviously I failed. I definitely failed under my first couple direct reports, but I think that's natural. You learn, you grow. Failed as in you know, an individual left because they didn't feel like there was any opportunity for growth. I took that as a huge dagger that I, I failed in that, that regard. But then, you know, all the direct reports that followed suit, there was, and I'm talking small teams, you know, I know it's going to be different with larger teams and I never scaled to a larger team. So maybe my method is flawed, but it's really like the motivational factor, something I like to do. Um, when I'm asking for help, nobody wants to be told what to do. Nobody wants to just be like, Hey, do this. We need this. You have to present the why they're doing it. That's I found is a huge motivator. So I just let them in like everything I know. And the reason I know that we're doing this, I let them into that, whether it's the, Hey, the president, like he has a meeting on Friday. If we can get a draft to him by Wednesday, so he can review it for Thursday, like just talking that stuff out, not just saying I need this on Wednesday. I haven't found luck in motivating a team that way, but when you tell them kind of, Hey, both our butts are on the line. If this thing isn't done by, you know, Wednesday, I found that that helps so much. It does. It, it, it does. And what, uh, you reminded me of, of a thing that I can mention as a, as a bad practice. And I had it like telling everything to the team, meaning, it's okay to tell them everything when it's a good, those are good things. And when they can do something to influence the outcome or what's about to happen, when, it, when it's bad things and you are just sharing your thoughts, because like, you know, that the company is now maybe not in the best position, this kind of things. And you just mumble around that. Cause do you actually think that creatives will do their best when they do creative stuff, knowing that there's a rock, uh, you know, above them? Of course not. Right. Yeah, and this is one thing that I saw in the last couple of years that that got stuck with me, and I try not to not to do it because luckily I saw somebody else doing it, and I'm like, you don't need to do just this one thing. Like, right. don't bring the negativity or team. I agree with that. So totally agree with that. Cause I am, I'm an open book, but you're right in those instances and you'll know, like your gut will tell you what, what shouldn't be talked about. It's that thing that turns like, I don't, I don't want to talk to them about this. Well then don't, you know, positive spin it. Like I'm going to go back to like COVID era where <clears throat> I, I don't know any company that wasn't struggling during that. 
Exactly. But I, I had a team of two at that point, and I just kept everything positive. I heard everything negative. I was almost like that. I've made the, uh, the example of like a shield. I'm blocking kind of those entry-level positions from some of these harsh realities that I'm getting from senior management. But like keeping it positive, we never stopped laughing. We never stopped smiling, even though I'm part of these meetings where it's like, this sucks. It's not looking good. Like we kept it going. Yeah. I mean, look, the my first like role when I was uh, actually my first leadership position was GM. And I got over there from being a rookie in the company. So like in 13 months. First position wow. in, in an agency. And I mean, I had some experience before that that I have no idea that I have. Somebody else saw it, you know, but but I was, you know, so eager. I felt like I'm, I'm behind with knowledge, with experience, with those kind of stuff when I got to the industry. Uh, but I was doing a lot of uh, stuff in the head an NGO win some awards, did the activism, I've been a youth worker, organized huge summer camps with like over 190 people from 18 countries, managing all of that, gathering all of them to like mountain in Southeast Serbia. Uh, and I didn't even realize that I have, you know, fighting with people from the village who had inherited the way of doing things, which is bad. And I'm now bringing the new good stuff, but I need to, to, you know, to channel the energy. So I learned so many things. And then when I became the, the GM, I was the last one that came to the company. We were like 15 people. Uh, and I was the first ever GM. So like there were two owners and me. And uh, the, the mistake that I did is like, I wanted everybody to, uh, to learn and move as fast as I can, you know? And then you get feedback and then you get people who, you know, want to come work for eight hours, do a decent job and go home. Yeah. And, and that's okay. You know, you need to respect that. But on the other hand, you are the GM. Do you want those people to the, in the company looking at the goals? Then it's another thing. Then I had no idea what the process is. So, and, and they basically said, okay, Nemanja now has uh all the responsibilities that we have and there's no limitation so go for him for all the things that you know all the feedback and everything uh, myself had like 17 things that i wanted to bring to the owners before they say okay, you're the gm now go and solve them and i didn't <laughs> see i didn't see them for two months so I have no passwords, no anything. I need to figure out everything. So I Google what the process is. How do I set up these things? And, you know, it slowed us down as a company, but I'll never forget that because, like, they gave me a chance to advance my career, like, at least two years forward. Yeah. Well, I like that. And it gives you that sense of hunger. It's, it's terrifying because I definitely, I mean, if you look at my, my career trajectory or path, I started as an intern. I had, I mean... I'm, I'm happy with it because I definitely kind of, you can see like the, the ladder working your way up. So I went intern, associate specialist, supervisor, then a growth manager, and now a director. So between, you know, and the growth manager position was kind of nice. It was kind of a break from management in a sense. It had manager in the title, but it was definitely kind of like a, should have been an entry level, but because of my experience, I made it, you know, even better. 
So you can imagine the night before I started the director position that I I had anxiety and I had the Sunday scaries and I had like, because I think you said it right there. It's almost like that confidence you need when someone else sees it in you, but you don't see it in yourself. Yeah. But then I, certain conversations will just bring it out of you. And it's like, where did that come from? Like, I'm, I'm speaking it. I'm answering this question. I know what to do. Where was that last night? Because I could have got a much better night's sleep if I knew that answer was going to come out of me. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I always had that confidence because I was like speaking at the conferences just in different areas before that. And I actually studied marketing, but I didn't finish. I dropped out because I didn't learn anything. So I went in a different direction to learn from doing it. Uh, and and um, what's interesting is my salary for that GM position wasn't, uh, you know, very high. But it was the experience that I wanted uh, to get from that job. Okay, it was more than I was earning before. But so the thing is, I work from my hometown, like running a Canadian-based company, and I can travel uh, around a lot. And then I have my mother who is telling me, okay, GM, but how much is the salary? How much is bigger than what you were earning before? Uh-huh. Nah, yeah. You know, it's nothing. So, so, so you have that. Re- it's important to have that reality check that somebody yep. tells you, okay, it's not the position, but uh, is everything else around it the thing that you need, or you need to, you know, to learn more, to uh, to work much more to get to that position where you want to be. Well, I love how you said that, and even, I mean, I'm inspired by that that you went, you know, to get, you know, study marketing and stuff and left because. Early on, you know, high school, I was senior year. I kind of just, I don't want to say blew off, but I did minimum because I, I didn't feel like it was, I don't want to say that worth my time, but I was bored. I, I don't know, you know, different countries and schools and stuff, but, but our senior year was pretty much like an a la carte class, take the credits that you needed. And like anything else was like study halls or you could leave early, you could go on a work release, like. So I was, I was bored because like, I didn't need anything. So needless to say, when they asked, you know, what kind of schooling you wanted after school, I, I didn't have an answer. And, and I think it was after we presented kind of like our final senior project that they, there was a list that said, where do you want to go to school? And I just put down, we had a, a technical college local to us. And I was so into graphic design at that point. Cause I was doing like CD covers and posters mm-hmm. and I was in the video class. I was the one kind of making the like, you know, the movie posters and stuff. That's what I like doing. My mom's like, that's, that's graphic design. So I'm just like Pittsburgh technical Institute graphic design. That's what I'm doing. And I'm so glad I did because I got just enough schooling that I could get out and start getting that real world experience that you talked about. Yeah. And, and look like back in the days, you can actually have some, you know, in our age, some something that you can implement, maybe not in marketing, but in a company as well, like organizational structure or those kind of things. But those are the things that you realize that you got them only when you get to work in a bigger organization or something like that. You know, you cannot implement them before that because they say they teach you to, you know, to look at the big picture. But then like the the education is moving so slowly, formal education that, you know, I would 
Today, I would choose to go to work in a startup for four years, even pay them to work over there to, to see how actually things are happening and to absorb as much as I can. That's it. That's it. And that's, that's kind of the advice I give too. And I think, I think that helps me not to be that big, bad boss because I did start at the bottom. No, I don't, I don't want to say bottom because everything can be positive if you look at it in that direction. And, you know, in those specialist roles, any assi- I wasn't above any assignment. And I am afraid that the younger generation today, they are, we're teaching all this kind of like self-value and knowing your worth. And I'm, I'm so impressed that, that students are coming out of school with this heightened sense of worth. But like, I also think there's a balance of like, you're not above any, any ask that someone asks of you. Take mm-hmm. it, learn the lessons that come with it. Just, just understand that that's all going to contribute to your success long, long term. Yeah, I learned that I need to explain, uh, like, uh, you know, why I'm them giving up, giving them these small tasks or you know things that they need to do. So you know, once a week, uh, I explain them like the big picture. So like, this is why I ask you to do this, this, this things. Just believe me, because I've yeah. been through that, and I'm gonna help you build it up by the time you know. And it's interesting always to me how like I see somebody who is like. Had a guy, have a guy in my team who was copywriter, first emails, those kind of stuff. Then yeah. he he learned how to write huge pieces of content, the brilliant ones, and now he wants to learn more strategy. So I, I uh, you know, said go ahead, do this, try it out, test it out, create a process out of it, so you go through everything. And then he was like, and I don't know where I am. Like every hour I need to think about different things. You know, it's not this, I feel lost. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly because it's, it means that you are learning the new things. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, you said it there too, but there's there's exercises and, you know, I haven't had this problem, but I've seen leaders that, that do, but it's that trust what happens when you lose trust in a leader and, and your employees start questioning everything that you're asking them and start coming back and bouncing back, which could be good because the way you're thinking of it, Hey, fresh perspective, it might be good, but I I'm under the, the impression once you lose that trust or respect, like it's almost impossible to get it back. Did, did you have a situation where, uh, you know, actually you need to prove your expertise by leading the team? Yeah. Yeah, not not so much. Well, when my first leadership position, I had been with the company at three years at that point, And I was kind of like you had said that that expert that, hey, if you have a problem, just go to Tim. Because I was so hungry and early improving myself and this and that, that I ended up putting myself in that position that it, it could be viewed negatively because other employees could just kind of like fly by. It's like, oh, I don't need to know that because he knows that. It's like, that's not really in, in the scope. Like, I'm never... A, like in the scope of my job set kind of guy. But when I'm in, when I'm the marketing supervisor and I'm getting fielded questions for like engineering, mm-hmm. like why, why do I know that? Like, I just know it to help me with my job, not to actually like educate the company on that, like the granular stuff. So that one, not so much. And I'm, the current job I'm in right now, and I keep having conversations with, with my wife as well, but I know what I've done in the past, but it is kind of an uphill to prove kind of my 
expertise and that I know what I'm doing and that I have the experience that I have the stories and it's it's kind of fun sprinkling that in but you know it's taken about a month and I feel like I'm finally there like oh wow yeah we hired this guy for a reason <laughs> yeah and that's also a hard thing thing here looking at uh, you know being the boss and managing teams and those kinds of stuff like the first employee that I hire was the first one that I fired for example, and like I had these like two owners, which I could talk to and they told me like, you need to go through the process alone to learn through it. We'll hear, we, we are here, we'll listen to you, we'll give you the feedback, but you need to go through that process alone without us. So you can learn some things uh, along the way. And, and, yeah. and looking at the, the thing, like uh, being challenged, like, I was telling the guys, I need you to write an article. Actually, that's the kind of style that I wanted them to write uh, that gets traction. And I want to see people engaging. So commenting, engaging, those kind of stuff. And at one point, like they were like, can you do it? Can you show us, you know, how it can be done? And then I created one and it got like 40,000 people coming to the website to read that article in, in time. And like so many comments, like it, it was the time when you can just, you know, use a one click on a share button and share it in like 10, 15 LinkedIn groups. And in one of the groups, there were like 150 comments. At that time, there, there was a lot. And, you know, so, and it's basically, I wrote an article, like 60 things you need to, uh, social media tips for small businesses. So like fully practical, I didn't see that kind of article nowhere online. That's cool. Let's do it. Cause I already have these things that my team is doing, right? I just yeah. listed them out as an article and it's basically the thing that I keep doing as you saw how I created an article out of the post and those kind of things. Yeah. It's like practical. Let's make it simple. And it's like not overthink things. Right. Right. Cause you're doing all this stuff already. It's uh, you know, Dave Gearhart said that, that the building in public, it's easier said than done, but we're already doing all this stuff. And if it yeah. becomes a success and it worked for you, then just write about it. Like I was just watching over the weekend. I, I nerd out. I'm not a big gamer. But I did play, you know, video games back in the day. But I found this this channel. This guy recreates some of the 2D handheld like Game Boy games and makes them 3D. He kind of oh, extracts nice. the pixel characters, extracts like I fell down this rabbit hole over the weekend. But like he's showing it in a very like condensed, maybe 12 minute video, but kept saying this took me hours to do this and this and that. But like not only was he building something people could really use, but he was also narrating and documenting the entire process of him building it which you have to have such faith that like this is going to be a success people are going to care about this but like you're already doing it just find the the tools and the means to record it and write you know write about it and publish the actual process in addition to the final final outcome exactly because the, then they will feel part of the process like they are building it with you yeah and it's such good content i was hooked Cause he's shown these 2d maps. He's shown how he's building like the buildings upright. I was, Oh my gosh. It was for, I don't know if you ever played like the Pokemon game boy games back in the day, but 
I, I played it a couple of weeks ago with, with my nephew. Nice. <laughs> actually, uh, I, I watched him play and I was like, uh, can I jump in? You're actually good at this. <laughs> he recreated Red and Blue as a 3D and it was like, it almost looked like Minecraft almost. But like, it was nice. just, I was so hooked because he's showing, not only did he build the world, he's showing like the triggers when you walk into the grassy areas, he's showing the battle sequence. Like, dude, I got to find more from this guy. But I was, I was very impressed in that kind of, flick the light bulb in that like not only i mean he said he can't publish the game but not only are we like interested in the final product but also how he built the product and he exactly i mean i think that, he hit a that's million. what gets us uh, attracted to the to the product he's like a million views in like five hours or something like that like he really hit hit something that people are interested in. i mean i'm not even like an avid gamer and i'm watching that stuff like yeah so it's like how does it. that translate into to what we do you know a campaign i'm building or like you said laying the foundation I've, I've been trying to post some of the unglamorous things like a replicatable like onboarding pitch deck you know i'm so pumped it's in powerpoint i know that's not not glamorous but like any new client we sign i have an interactive that i just pop their logo on change the name and it's the same message that i'm now getting out to every new client we sign i'm like so proud of that yeah it, you reminded me of one thing and i think we can uh we can just get that for the end yeah. uh like music how do you relate music to the b2b and everything that we do i do um i actually made this analogy with the last job and it it, it took but I have about 11 unsuccessful years experience of music marketing because I, I attempted to be a recording artist and I played a few live shows and nice. I do have some tracks still available on Spotify, but marketing is a lot like writing a track to me. And I've made this analogy that every song needs a good rhythm section and a good baseline. Like that's, and, and I said baseline, that foundation that keeps the song going, keeps channeling. In marketing, once you have that, you know, that lead gen machine, if that's what you're into, keep keep putting coals into that fire, keep that thing moving. So you, you do meet your bottom line, but then you can throw elements on top of that that aren't aren't as, you know, baseline as as foundational, but you're making a song that way and you're trying something, oh, this guitar sound actually really works. So just keep sprinkling that here and this little sequence that you put on top, like that to me is so much like marketing that you have that thing that keeps going. But then, only then do you try the new efforts to see if that enhances or decreases. But as long as that baseline's going, you're, you're good. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And, and actually, you know, why did I choose like funk and funky marketing? Because funk means, you know, rhythm and blues and the melody that makes your body moves, activate it. And, and you know, it's basically the activation stuff. And... and you know, and when I look at this from now from that perspective, like almost three years since I started Funky Marketing, but bef even before that, I had a community that was named Funky Marketing. And, uh, you know, I'm looking back and realize, you know, I was thinking about things before they happened. Because just going deeper into the things that were interesting to me. You know, like hobbies, music, comics, epic fantasy, you know, whatever it is. I like it and I go deep into those things. Yeah. Well, you look at artists and most artists that are successful nowadays, their inspiration is not their genre. 
Mm-hmm. I know a lot of pop punk bands that listen to heavy metal as their inspiration because they're picking things from another industry and how does that interact and affect what they do. And I think that's so, you know, we're going to pick inspirations from things that aren't marketing. Look at me picking inspiration for a guy developing 3D games. And then I, I calculate how that affects marketing, how that relates to my, it's crazy. Exactly. I appreciate your vans, your vans off the wall hat. I'm pretty sure I have that same hat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's black and white as, uh, you know, my favorite team is Partizan Belgrade. So they are also black and white and it goes along with, with everything very well. Yeah, and you know, like I have less and less hair, so like. <laughs> me too. Me too. That's glad I'm, this isn't filming from the backside because I don't think there's much there anymore. So, hey, that, I think that means we're working hard, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Let, let's leave it at that. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay, man. So uh, to wrap it up, what's one thing that you would uh, recommend to people to take out from from the episode? I think it's just we, we we spoke a lot about differentiation and it's really thinking about what you can do differently in addition to that baseline you've created so like you need that baseline whether it's a product whether it's a process what's the foundation of what you are offering whether it's a service or a product and then the differentiating factors are going to be those little guitar parts those little sequences that just help you stand out whether that's your marketing onboard packaging, whether that's your training, whether that's your customer success team, we all have, just assume we all have that same product or we can get to that product. It's what makes it different. That's really going to get it to, to click. That's, that's very well said, you know, cause it actually means stop and thinking about, about things and observing. <sighs> You know, it always reminds me that, uh, you know, we need to actually not do that much, but also think more and stuff more and observe more of the things. Because then when we stop doing things, they will be actually, you know, better and on a much higher level because we we thought it through. That's a big one. You know, I, I see it all the time from leaders on, on LinkedIn and stuff that, you know, Sundays, I, I don't I don't advocate working on the weekends. But I did like that I saw a leader say on Sunday they take the time to map out their week mm-hmm. because it's so easy for us to just get in the thick of it and work and create and create and create and create. But if you don't stop and think about how that's going to affect or make a difference or if it's even going to work, you're, you're on your way to burnout. Yeah. And, and, you know, like that's always the thing that's easy for entrepreneurs. Like for, for me, it's easy. But for somebody who is, I don't know, working in an agency or a, or a company just in specific department, you know, you usually have like eight hours that you are working and, and you know, they don't give you the time to go and walk around the, the neighborhood to clear your uh, head. Right. Now it's, it's not happening. And I think that's the big one that's missing with all the creatives and the way we, we look at the things. That's where my struggle is. Like I said, coming from an intern, coming from an associate, a specialist, like I was, that 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 You've machine that just created 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 people would give me direction just keep going keep going keep going now i'm kind of putting on the brakes there that i don't not to just keep going keep going but to like strategically make sure that each thing that i do is actually a success 
yeah that's that's lovely said i'm gonna do this two things this week ship these two things and they're gonna be perfect instead of doing five for example um tell us where we can find more information about you where people can actually go and ask some questions based on the episode based on the things they they heard or maybe they have more questions about about the video that you mentioned yeah so the three that i like to bring up i'm on linkedin uh, Timothy Rodman, CPMM. I'm also on TikTok. I'm trying to trying to make some marketing content out there. But if you follow at the Pen Tool Man, there's a joke within there, and definitely stop by on TikTok and ask me what it is. And then uh, Twitter also MKT Tim Allen. Perfect. We'll we'll leave uh, the links in the description of the episode for sure uh guys now is the time to to stop go back to the beginning of the episode and actually you know listen to everything that we said because we been a lot have done a lot of back and forth and said i think a lot of smart things so uh if you see something that might interest you uh go go to tim uh reach out to him ask him some questions reach out to me as well if you want to do it and uh, i usually don't ask people that but subscribe to the podcast if this is something that is of interest to you we'll have a lot of uh you know interesting guests because uh, actually tim i'm trying to get people who are not on other podcasts as much and, and you know have people that can share actually some things that are really different so this is the reason why you've been here on the podcast and uh looking forward to chatting more with you in the future i'm sure we'll do a couple of more episode episodes in the future uh thanks for being here guys uh for the end as i always say keep it funky that's always something to 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 have in mind and do things a little bit differently or think a little bit differently bye bye